Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In this podcast, we have our Boroughs draw against QPR, the win against Derby, our praise and place picks, Boroughs trip to Ashton Gate, and we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Borough Match Day chatter. In a pod. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of Borough Match Day Chatter in a podcast. And what a week. A draw against promotion rivals QPR and a thumping win against Derby County saw Borough win six games in a row at the Riverside. Guys, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I want you to describe how you're feeling in a love song. Dana, do you want to go first? I'm going to go with I'm a Believer by the Monkeys because I'm a believer of this team. Got it right. I'm a believer of this team and there's not a doubt or trace in my mind. I'm in love. You're in love. Uh, Tom, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go with I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Honestly, I, I could be absolutely desperate for the toilet sat in my seat and I'm still not going to go because I don't want to miss any of that football. It's that good. That- that's funny, actually, because the lady next to me was busting for a piss as so she was not going because she was like, I can't take my eyes off this game. <laughs> Sums it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a, what a start to the podcast. I mean, imagine Tom in his seat about where shit himself. And <laughs> well, I never said that. But... <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, what a start. I was going to I was gonna go with you to me or everything, uh, but we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> but... Uh, before we chat about <laughs> Derby, uh, Borough made the trip to the Cairn Prince Foundation Stadium midweek and drew 2-2. Borough had to come back twice, uh, <laughs> courtesy of a goal from Dale Fry and Bor- former Borough winger Albert Adorma. Uh, start start the week, you took a point, uh, but then but were Borough fortunate to come away with all three points? Yeah, I thought we were excellent in this game. The first half was like a basketball match. It was so entertaining. And in fairness, I wasn't expecting it. I thought it was going to be a bit of a hangover from the Man United victory. And I thought it was going to be quite a cagey affair. By all accounts, QPR have endured a few tough performances, albeit they've got the results. Not too dissimilar to us, 
as well, to be honest. I don't think we've played particularly great since the turn of the year, apart from probably the QPR game, actually. So I thought it was going to be a little bit of a cagey affair, not the greatest of watches, but it was a really good spectacle. It was so entertaining, so end-to-end. Then in the second half, we were so dominant. We had two really big chances in the first half. Neil Taylor popping up in a striker's position, which Mm -hmm. he seems to be floating around those areas at the moment. And then Spira hits the crossbar. Our dominance in the second half, it, it felt like... Like it was only going to end up with the third Borough goal. Obviously, we got second. Um, and I was reading the start, actually. I'll just get it up here. From Jack Supple, a QPR stato, at, Jack T, uh, at JT Supple on Twitter, he said uh, that QPR have kept a clean sheet in three consecutive home league games for the first time since March 2016. The next game in that run back in 2016 was a 3-2 defeat to Middlesbrough. So can you imagine if we just scored that third goal, there would be another parallel to that promotion season, but not to be. It was a good performance, nonetheless. Yeah, it was a really good performance. But Tom, a lot of Borough fans were describing it as probably one of the best performances this season. Uh, but why do you think that was? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely up there, isn't it? But I, I think, like Dana said, I, I was fully expecting there to be some sort of hangover effect from Man United as well. I was wondering, you know, how, how much is that 120 minutes plus penalties taken out of the players? And that answered the question in that game of not much at all because they were absolutely fantastic. QPR, I think, have been uh, a good team this season, but I think that's two games where we played them this season where we arguably should have won it. Like the Riverside one, I think we shot ourselves in the foot and you could argue we kind of did, did this game as well. Um, but, it, yeah, it's it's two games we we should have won against them this season. And, you know, realistically, if if we do manage to get into the playoffs and they're there as well you know it, they're not really uh something to fear kind of based on those two two games and our performances against them yeah and uh, we've we've played the teams in and around us now and i don't think there's a team that actually scares me now and i think i appreciate there's fulham that are running away with it i mean mitrovic has got 31 goals this season already um bournemouth they've got the players but the management i'm, I'm starting to question i think the the, the playoffs and all the way down to maybe like 11th or 12th, you know, you're thinking, we, I think I'm not worried about most teams. I think when we look at us now and the way that we've been playing, I can kind of see us being in and around those positions towards the end of the season. Uh, but Tom, you've been praising for the last couple of weeks, uh, but Joel, it's the standard Bora breakdown of fashion, the curse returns. Um, Lumley making a bit, a bit of an error. But is it important that, we get past this and, you know, you give them the benefit of the doubt and, or should we look to maybe potentially make a change? Yeah, I mean, it's typical that that happened, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I, I was cursing his name as soon as it did, but I'm not just saying this because I have been praising him, but I think it is something we do need to get past. But I think it's only because, you know, we, we can't change it till the end of the season. and I do still think he's our best option there. I really wasn't convinced by Daniels when he was in goal, uh, you know, that, that stint he had. And it's a big gamble now if you're taking Lumley out to put Solbrin in. Like, he's very much a, an unknown quantity. So, um, you know, I mean, it was similar yesterday in terms of the, the playing out from the back, especially when Lumley has it on his left foot. It's just like, oh, what is he going to do? And why is he keeping all the bits for so long? And he did something similar in the, uh, the Man United game, uh, kind of dropped a couple of clangers there as well. So I think think that needs to probably be coached out with him just a little bit because 
I don't know. I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I, I think he seemed a little bit overconfident in, in those couple of games uh, in playing out from the back, and and obviously it, it cost us in the the QPR game. But I do still think out of the keepers that we have for what we need from a keeper in terms of uh, you know keeping out those uh, hopefully low quality chances, um, he's probably the best shot shot stopper of the three of them. And I think with that as well, in terms of the confidence, you want your keeper to have as much confidence as as you possibly can. And I think with the mistakes that he's making, they can be ironed out. And sometimes, and appreciate it might go against what Chris Wilde is trying to do in in terms of depending on how, how resistant to change he is. How would it be too fussed if he's under pressure? Just kick it out of play, like just safety first, get you back in the positions, and we look to defend and get a uh, get a team on the counter attack. But yeah, again, yeah, I mean, like, sorry, I was going to say I was watching the City match last night, and I was like, the only goalkeeper where I'd actually be comfortable with them on either foot at the back is probably Edison, and we're not signing an Edison, so <laughs> you know it, it does need to be coached out with him a, a little bit, and you know there might be situations where you just mentioned where he does need to kick it out. But, you know, I mean, it, it's still the kind of play that we want to see in terms of playing out from the back. It's just, it does get nervy at times like that. Mm, but it didn't overshadow the performance in general because Boris equalising goal Dana to make it 2-2. Lovely bit of play. Um, great work from Jones. Something that we definitely wouldn't have seen on Neil Warnock. But it was a very, very good goal from Borough, wasn't it? It was. It was great build-up play, a great patient build-up play, and something that Borough have done recently of late, actually, because what we will do is we'll shift it from one side to the other, and we saw this against Reading, we saw it against Derby yesterday, we saw it against QPR, where we will try to feed it onto that right-hand side, but we feed it onto the right-hand side when there's space for Jones to accelerate into and to take on his man, basically front up his marker, uh, and then go. So we, we pass it along the midfield, we shift it onto the left, and then as we shift it onto the left, the opposition defence also shifts onto the left to obviously attend to that left-hand side. But what Jones does is he hangs so wide, even when the defence is kind of compacted. And then we saw it. It's always usually McNair, actually, that, that plays it back out on, onto the right-hand side with Jones. And then he has about five or six yards on his man. And as soon as you give Zai Jones space against you, you're going to be in trouble because he can front you up, he could get close to you, and then he just goes. And it was an unbelievable move. I mean, the, <laughs> the nutmeg on Lee Wallace is filthy. But also, Tav plays a crucial part in this, and we tweeted it after the game where he's being marked by Sam Field in a position where Jones, five seconds later, runs into. It's that space that, that they're both taking up. Mm. Tab just makes a run on the outside of Jones and he pulls Sam Field out of position. And what you see with Sam Field is his momentum is shifted on his right side so that when Jones nutmegs Lee Wallace and gets into that space, he tries so hard to get back onto his left but the weight of his body is on his right because he's attending to, to Tav. So it just buys that extra two two or three seconds for Jones to accelerate into that space. And as we see so much, he gets to the byline and it's it's a good cross. And what a finish from Uncle Albert. I mean, I'm a little bit annoyed that it was Albert that got on the end of it because it robbed Neil Taylor of, an, of a goal, the first goal that he would have scored in senior football that isn't for his country. And also is it robs... Right? Yeah, I think wow. so, yeah. Wow. And it robs... Jones have an assist. So it's unfortunate, but hey, we'll take it. So thank you, Albert. 
I know. I think Shithousery from Borough fans as well, singing all Albert Adama for the for the remainder of the game as well. So, I mean, good good on Albert as well. You know, I mean, disappointed that he didn't celebrate himself. I think he's had a, he had a great period at Borough, um, and sometimes you just got to give back to your former clubs. And I think he did that very 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 well with that own goal. And I think maybe he went home and put his Borough shirt on and started celebrating a little bit because he was dancing with it. like with the Yorval cheerleaders. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that, but I think Denny is spot on. I think it was what was it, sixty-two touches or something, stuff like that in the sixties. 26 touches and there was a good stat from Brad Jones, not the Brad Jones, by the way, which said that um there were 20 26, sorry, 20, yeah, 60, 60 something passes. Yeah, you're right there, Johnny. 26 no, what was it? 70, 62 no, touches. 60, 60 touches, 26 passes. That was a brain fart. Uh, and then in Warnock's last game against West Brom in the second half, there were 27 completed passes in the entirety of that 45 minutes. That's mad. 27 passes in that uh, second half against West Brom, 26 passes in that single move against QPR. That is an unbelievable stat. Wild the ball in motion, isn't it? And I think when we were looking at takeaways from the game, then because... Uh, Tom, don't get too excited. It's not the, the Korean chips at Manchester United. Um, I'm on about like takeaways. Yeah, I, I didn't game. even get that, so <laughs> disappointment lives on. Uh, but in terms of like the, the takeaways from the game, a lot of fans were happy. But what were your key takeaways from there, Tom? What 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 could you what what did you think about the overall general performance? What was your main takeaways from it? Well, I mean, overall general performance, I thought it was, like I said earlier, one of our best performances under Wilder. I think that's arguably up there with, you know, the game against Forest, um, you know, potentially the game against uh, Blackpool, which obviously wasn't our best, but I mean, it, it was just a, a good game to watch. I think it's kind of up up there with those. One one takeaway I did have, which kind of isn't too related to, to the playing side of things, but I think it deserves a mention after all this time under Wilder, how... I mean, it'll be down to the coaching staff, the fitness staff and the sports science staff to be able to put out a team, you know, pretty much the same 11 uh, after after United. Yeah. You know, we played 120 minutes and have that energy to play that type of football. And also the, you know, I'm, I'm touching touch wood here, so it hopefully doesn't happen, but the lack of injuries that we've had in comparison to the amount we were getting under Warnock where we were, like, kicking bricks and training and stuff. <laughs> like... <laughs> I think that that work deserves some credit, uh, you know, for that performance and and other performances we're seeing because it, it's clear that that's paying dividends at the moment. Yeah, it does seem like we're picking up far less muscle injuries. Obviously, there's the Piero one, which I believe was was his knee, I think. So it's, it's, it's that... his ankle that one. Oh, unless you're on about the one previous to that. I don't know. I think it the the one at QPR. I'm sure Wilder said it was his knee. It, he was ankle, he was holding his ankle, wasn't he? On. Yeah. Ankle. Oh, yeah, his ankle. Yeah. So, God, I'm not not with it today. I'm I'm too. I, I think see. it was Johnny who said it was his knee in our group chat. <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was a crochet at first. We fell. I thought I looked. I was like, oh, he's he's done. But then, yeah, he gets it stuck yeah. in the turf, doesn't it? It's it, it's not great. Obviously, he's going to be out. Pro- I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again this season. To be honest, it's definitely a long term one, isn't it? Wilder said after the game, it's not a two to four week job. It's a it's longer than that so that's unfortunate but um you know it, it's good that we're picking up far less muscle injuries than than we were under Warnock mm, you're doing your yeah Sean Dyson impression this week it'd be me next week it'd be me next I'm week I'm getting the DJ off coronation stream <laughs> <laughs> Tracy <laughs> 
That's, I actually thought Deirdre was on the call there. Um, but Dana, what, what, are, what are your key takeaways from QPR? <laughs> um, but I, I agree with Tom. I think that was our best yeah. performance this year. Um, definitely the best since, uh, since the Forest game. We just looked so composed and like we knew what we were doing in, in attack. And I, I mentioned in the Warnock era that we don't have an attacking identity. Somebody tweeted me back with a very valid response of, you know, why do we need one? Why is it so important? Well, I think we're seeing exactly why it's so important because when we're on the attack, we will try to shift it from side to side. As I said, we will try to get it to Jones. We will try to have that overlap and underlap from Dyke Steel or Crooks, the triangles on that right-hand side. It's so potent of a threat against teams. And I think that's exactly why we need an attack and identity rather than it being more hit and hope as it was under Warnock. And, and yeah, Warnock wanted to play in the final third, but the build-up before that was taken away a really key part of our team and our squad. Our squad has always been able to play and our midfield has always been able to influence a game and take control of a football match. And that's what we've seen. And yeah, the, the style of play is a, is a huge tick. It's what I've wanted to see from Mora for a long time now. Yeah, and I think I'd just add to that as well. I think the three kind of like things I took away from it was probably, and probably we move back to like this thing we always say about the three words to describe our fear. I think it was kind of like bold, mature, and controlled. I think we were bold and we had the ball, we were mature and we were holding the game at times and made it really difficult for, for QPR to create chances. But obviously, the, the two goals we've we've gave away are probably something that you, you shouldn't really be doing but in terms of the the controlled side of things yeah we were really controlled dictated the play and we we've rolled that on into Saturday as well because Bora played Derby and we knew a win would take it back into the playoff places and it was game filled of course with on off the field antics as well uh, which made it a bit of a spicy affair at the Riversides but Tom Chris Milder, Chris Milder, Chris Wilder <laughs> It's me now. My teeper fell out. Um, <laughs> has, has made two changes uh, to the side uh, that drew against QPR with Balogun and Connolly coming in for Spurrow. What more? What were your thoughts on the changes, and why do you think Wilder made them? Well, I thought they worked. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised to see it at first, but also intrigued to see what Balogun and Connolly played like and linked up like up front. Uh, I thought they both did well. Connolly for you know all. Uh, I wouldn't say bad press, but like, you know, the performances he's put in over the last few games where he has had a chance and no one's really been that convinced. I thought yesterday he was fantastic. Uh, you know, never stopped running and 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 did seem to have that kind of aggression to to win the ball back and, and try and make something work as soon as he got it. Um I've in terms of why he made them, I would think it would just go down to squad management and, and the rotation. Um you know, Dennis said last week about Duncan Watmore, the the knee injuries he's had and kind of managing his fitness. And, you know, Sparrow's been pretty much ever present for, you know, most of the season since he signed. So, you know, he, he could have done with a break probably. Um, but it, it's nice to have four decent options done um, when uh, <laughs> when we're looking at rotating the, the strikers. Uh, now, it, it doesn't seem like if we did rotate them, there's there's really kind of like a too, too bad a combination there. Uh, you know, if, if you see kind of you know two of them come into the squad one week and two of them drop out, you just think, oh well, you know, it'll be similar again. And uh, you know, we we've got you know quality uh in those positions. Options and, and quality are, are definitely key, especially in this division when you try, want to try and find that consistency. And but Dana, 
I want to chat about the game in, just as an as an overview before we break down the goals and do more like a tactical side of things. But how were Borough able to dismantle Wayne Rooney's derby? Because they have been good for the majority of the season. Yeah, they're a mid-table team on quality. Their position is a, is a false position, obviously born out of the 21-point deduction. But I think we were really aggressive in our press. And our press is really interesting because it's definitely not gung-ho. It's not full throttle. Borough will pick and choose and they'll be careful with their press. And every time that we do it, we do it with such... Well, it's like we're hunting, hunting in packs. And I saw, I noticed in the game there was a there was a trio of players <clears throat> basically around Christian Bielik to stop them from having an out ball. And I mean, Christian Bielik is a fantastic player, and he could definitely dictate the game and set the tone of a football match. And we had Housen and the two strikers, Connolly and Balogun, all around him, so that when Derby were playing out from the back as they wanted to do. They weren't allowed to do that. So they had to shift it out wide. And then that's where you see. And, and Jones is very good at this when he's he's aggressive and he picks the ball back. And Press made that first goal, the Lee Buchanan own goal, because Liam Thompson loses it. I think it, it's obviously a, a pass from Dyksdale that gets intercepted, but then it's almost that counter press to get the ball back instantly. That's what Jones does so well. So it's Blackpool to create the winning goal. It's it's really good just attacking, um, defending and then attacking. And then the, the fourth goal as well, great press. What more typical of him to chase down a lost cause. Unbelievable from Balogun, that that audacity, the the little flick, absolutely Mugsley with Cannon off and the, the keeper, Ryan Alsop. Great finish from Watmore, of course. Just, I mean, he couldn't miss, to be honest. Although I did think at one point it was going to get blocked. But yeah, it's just, just the press. The press was so good and our shape of the ball is so good. People, players filling in positions when you see Dyke Steele move out to central defensive midfield, which he usually does. It's just great work. It's great work in possession and great work out of possession, which we've come to expect from a Chris Wilder side. Absolutely. Um, and Tom, let's break down the goals because each goal itself had a bit of individual quality um, and also on and off the ball. Um, and, and we've come to put Millsborough's shape as well in, in a second. But similar to Wednesday night, Jones absolutely whipping a ball um, in front of the, the front post. And Forsen, how difficult is it for a defender to actually defend against those? Because he's putting it in a really dangerous, dangerous position there, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. It is quite difficult to defend that because, you know, especially if you're a right-footed defender uh, going in for that because you've got, you know, options behind you uh, who are able to tap it in. So it really forces you to to try and cut that out. But it's trying to cut it out at such an angle where, you know, it's either going to go in your own net or if, if you do really well, you might be able to, like, put it behind for a corner or something. Um, you know, it, it also puts the goalkeeper in a difficult situation because there's not too much space for him to dive out and get it. Uh, and, and it's a tactic you can clearly see that we've worked on because it's, it's something that, um, you know, Jones goes to uh, quite often and we, we always have players in that right position to, to get onto it. So I, I think it's definitely um, something we, we've spotted we can uh, capitalise on. Um, and like I said, just very difficult for a keeper or... Uh, defender together. We'll see if it's a left-footed defender. It might be slightly better. They might be able to kind of hook around it and get it clear a little bit, but it, that wouldn't happen every time. Uh, and, and we do kind of create those chances uh, a few times in in, in that in, in whatever game we play. Have you yeah, noticed as well, 
Sorry, Joe, just one more point here. Have you noticed as well the amount of crosses that are low on the floor? We've spoken about this so many times, even when Elliot was on the pod, Johnny, where we were speaking about the type of crosses that were getting into the box and we never really had somebody that could get their head on it. And the strikers that we have now, are they want those those balls down down on the ground. They don't want to, to kind of head it in. Only really Cruxy can do that, as we saw against Reading. But a lot of our crosses are low crosses and we were one of the most... Uh, frequent crosses in the championship last season and a lot of them were just kind of wasted whereas now they are much more aligned to the strikers that we've got and it's brilliant to see it's working those low crosses are really deadly for us at the moment there's really intelligent positioning around those as well like uh, I I think if I'm remembering right it was Balogun uh, from the one example I'm remembering from yesterday where Jones had pulled it back from from his normal crossing position he didn't kind of go straight across the face of goal as he normally did it was Balogun on the edge of the box he was pretty much unmarked I can't remember who it was across from him might have been McGree at this point or it could have been Tav but you had essentially two options there and you had the two running in for for the uh, tap-ins and the six-yard box as well um, so I mean it, it's good to see the uh, the intelligence of our attacking play in that respect as well Yeah well let's chat about the, the intelligent play from our strikers because Connolly's goal yesterday appreciate it did take a deflection Jones on the right hand side but Dana the movement and positioning of, of Connolly is, is really really good isn't it yeah, he he makes a move to his right, which basically just gives him a yard or two on the defender. And then, in fairness to him, it's a really good swiveling shot. He, he gets lucky, obviously, with the deflection. I'm really glad it was credited to him, though, because I agree with what Tom said earlier. He was really good in that game yesterday. He was he looked really sharp. He looked really sharp. He looked on it. He was pressing really well. He was really aggressive in that. And as as Tom said as well, he didn't stop running and he deserved that goal. So I'm glad that was credited to him. But yeah, he makes a run kind of, he moves from in between the defenders to on the outside. Then he just makes a little little movement to the right, gets a few yards on his on his man. And then that basically allows him the space to have that, that swiveling shot on it. it. Yeah, it was really good. It was a proper, should we say, a, a jumpers for goal post snapshot there from Aaron Connolly. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that was his goal. I think if if you're if you're a Borough fan and you want to watch the highlights, I would definitely just watch Connolly for that whole goal. And I think is like you were saying there, Dan, his movement is really, really good. And just that just that split move split second movement just before the ball comes in the box, gets him in that little pocket of space, and then he's able to give himself time to try and get on the on the snapshot and obviously the deflection goal uh, goes in. But how big of a boost is that for him, uh, Tom? Because we said in the because he said in the press conference as well that he was really low on confidence. Should should fans <clears throat> stick with him and give him a bit more love off off the pitch as well to see if we can try and get the best out of him? Uh, I mean, I'd agree with with that, but also I think he's really helped himself with with that performance yesterday because he didn't look like a player that was low on confidence. He, um, you know, he, he had that that drive yesterday. Uh, never stopped running and, and obviously got himself in the position for the goal and a couple of other chances as well. It's no surprise he was low on, on confidence because he hadn't really been playing regularly. And and you look at the difference between kind of him and him and Balogun, who who had been playing regularly, uh or, or I mean at least, at least in the under twenty threes and you know a couple of cup appearances. Like Balogun just looked a lot sharper when he came in, but that looked like a completely different player yesterday when uh, from from Connolly's performance to, to what we've previously seen of him. Uh, so he carries on playing like that. You know, the fans are obviously going to be on his side and that confidence is just going to grow. Mm, and then just for the, the third goal and the, the fourth as well, Tom, 
Ball spread out wide again, like Dana's been alluding to it. Jones is hanging on that right-hand side on the touchline, really making it expansive. A, a perfect way to play against a low, a low block because you're trying to drive players out of position to create the space in the box. And then that's exactly what we did for the third goal, wasn't it? The movement off the ball from, from Crooks was really good too. And it was a captain, a very, very well-worked goal, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I noticed just as we were trying to break them down. I mean, it, it's great that we weren't even letting up, you know, like a minute before half time. We were still looking for that third, but the way we were stretching them to both sides, and then you kind of see see Jones stick on the left touchline, you think this is going back to him eventually. Um, and then you, I, I noticed Crooks's run, uh, and I thought I, I lost track of him because I was looking at the ball, but I was like, oh, he's not going to go and help out Jones for a change. Like, he's obviously trying to do something. Uh, and then, yeah, just that, that drills ball across the face of goal and, and Crooks happening in perfect positioning and, uh, you know, perfect bit of uh, intelligent play to to get Jones in the position to to put that cross in. Great and celebration as well. It, <laughs> it was a great yeah, celebration. It was. I feel like it's... Uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think Borough players should start creating more entertaining celebrations in general, mm-hmm. you know? We're scoring more goals now, so it's more. There's more room for creativity. I mean, I've seen like Ted Lasso, Tom, where like the the they do they're doing the dancing uh, for the oh, what's it called? It was they did they're doing they're doing some sort of dancing. I can't remember what it's from, which episode it's from, but was it was from the the NSYNC one. NSYNC, yeah, bye bye bye, yeah. I feel like that's that's what I mean. That's that's what that's what Leo's there for. No, do you know what I mean? Like Leo could comfortably orchestrate that the, the dance moves from that. Um, with the fourth goal, Dana, it was an error which got Borough away and lovely bit of skill from Balogun, of course, uh, for Watmore. Borough forced the error again and they were setting up traps all afternoon, weren't they? And that comes back to what you were saying earlier about the press, wasn't it? Yeah, our pressing was really good. It was really impressive yesterday. And just Watmore again chasing down a lost cause, Balogun doing the pressing as well. It's just the ball down the line from Dyke Steele that you think Derby have dealt with it. Apparently it went out. Who cares? <laughs> it stayed in for me. And then, I mean, that flick from Balogun is just it's just audacious, isn't it? It absolutely mugs two Derby players off, as I said. And yeah, it was it was just rewards really from a really good piece of play. And to be fair, it could have been more in that game. I know we didn't have we didn't have the majority of possession actually in the first half. I think we squandered a lot of a lot of possession. I'll just look at it now. We had um, 38% possession in the first 15 minutes. So I thought we actually started the game slowly, but then we got into it and it was great atmosphere. I think, uh, to be honest, I was expecting Derby fans to be emotionally, or Derby players to kind of feed off the emotions and the passion of their supporters. But I feel like it was Borough that did that. And, uh, you know, our press kind of filtered into that potentially. So, yeah, it was a great atmosphere, a really, really, really good game. And I am so glad that all four of my eyes saw all four of those goals hit the back of the net. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to repeat what was mentioned to you on, on Twitter, Dan. I'm going to let people search out for themselves. Um, but yeah, it was uh, overall a very good performance. I think their goal in general, defensively wise, I don't think you can do much more really. I think you, you don't really expect someone to hit something from that far out. But then also hit through a, a lot of players taking deflection and getting to the bottom corner. So, I mean, defensively, mm. I don't think you can do much, to be honest. Um, and then overall, I think it was a, a very, very good display. And was Crooks a red card? No. So we don't really have to even debate that either. So um, let's move into the tactical side of things then, because Tom Borup were very, very expansive yesterday in what we've seen uh, seen previously under Chris Wilder. When we look at the the shape, of course, and we'll come to that in a second, in a second day now, where we're looking like they were playing with a four, 
Um, but Jones stayed very, very wide yesterday. Burrow looked very, very expansive. Uh, but why do you think that was? I think it, it just goes back to what Dana was saying earlier about having Jones in that position to to give him five or six yards to, to run at the defender. Um, <clears throat> was it Forsyth yesterday who was playing left-back for them? It was, yes. Yeah, we probably targeted him as kind of like a kind of a weakness there and thought, you know what, if Jones can get it in, we can create some some chances. And, you know, he did. I mean, that's proven from his stats. So I, I thought it was uh, it, it was clever than with what we're doing, but we have seen it kind of more and more in our games recently. Um, you know, Taylor seems to be pushing further up that left-hand side to almost kind of give... Um, I don't want to say a fake threat because I mean he, he has been a threat at times, but like also draw the attention to the left side when we go over there, and then it, it can you know re- result in in Jones being you know free on that right hand side to to do what he did yesterday. Mm. And just Dana, I mentioned it there round Middlesbrough's like average positions and shape. It looked like we were playing with a back four at times yesterday because Isaiah Jones was so high up the pitch. The shape was lovely to see uh, from Bora. Uh, how does Isaiah Jones playing so far up the pitch benefit the team, and or does it even hinder us to some extent, especially on like counter attacks where we can potentially be prone to a to a counter? It, it, I mean, I think we saw it hinder us against United. Obviously, the as I said on the last pod, their quality mm. is far superior to ours, but we were pinned back, and it was almost about five that we were playing. So potentially, if you kind of get at Jones a little bit, you can push him back and therefore push Borough back. But for the most part, it pushes the opposition back because if you look at the corresponding position of of Craig Forsyth, he was right back because he mm. obviously had to deal with Jones and that's the beauty of it I think Jones's defensive responsibilities and ability for somebody that has come through as an out-and-out winger is so admirable of just his quality and his teamwork and his individual work on his own game so he has the pace to get back you'll see him slot into a into almost a left back position at times and you're right our shape is just is really really good um in possession out of possession as I mentioned before if there's ever a somebody that moves out, like a Dyke Steel moves out into almost a defensive midfield position. Johnny Housen will take up his place at centre-half. It's just, it's so well-drilled and well-oiled, whereas before we were just having, it was like a pulled pork sandwich, wasn't it, watching Bora? It was just everyone, everyone was all over the place. I remember one game where there was Dyke Steel and Bowler both on the left-hand side, and they were both of our full-backs. So it was, you know, under Warnock it was difficult, but under Chris Wilder, we are just so well drilled to be able to deal with players being pulled out of position. And Jones is has really just given us a whole new level of balance. Yeah, well, let's let's move to the praise and place then for this week because this gives you guys the opportunity to praise someone on and off the pitch or a group of people if you want to. But who gets your praise and place mentioned this week or mentions this week? Because, of course, uh, it could be any or both. You could pick the same person. But, Tom, who are you going to go for in the praise and place? I think the the obvious one has to be Isaiah Jones because what a performance that was yesterday. You know, he got the the free assists and, you know, he was our danger man yesterday, source of uh, Derby's nightmares. So I, th- I think he has to... Uh, I think he has to be in there, but also shout out for um, Aaron Connolly as well, because uh, I thought, you know, with the criticism he's had of his, his first few games, um, that performance yesterday, like I said, looked completely different player, and I, I thought he was he was great. 
So Jones and Connolly for you. Dana, who are you going to go for? I'm just going to make a point on Jones before I move on to my pick. He has he's assisted almost half of our goals since the turn of the year, 46% to be exact. And when you factor in the part that he played in the goal against Man United, he has pretty much been the centrepiece of the creativity of this team, but she's not that good. Um, but I think my my pick, and I'm probably going to sound like a broken record here, but it's Marcus Tavernier. I mean, hats off to him. He's been absolutely unbelievable for the past couple of games, and he's been good for a while now. And and I remember we got an email from somebody. I'm not going to mention this person because obviously it's it's their opinion, but he did say that our arse licking of Tav, as he put it himself, was ruining his morning walk <laughs> in Rosebury Park and that stop giving him the benefit of the doubt. But this is why we've given him the benefit of the doubt. He's always had the skill set to be a fantastic player in a Chris Wilder side. He's always had the skill set to be a fantastic player generally. And we're seeing that now. His defensive work has always been brilliant, but particularly in recent games, it's been amplified. His aggression against QPR. He was our midfield against QPR. He was the best Best player on the park, best player in midfield, absolutely. And I think he was a big reason why we asserted so much dominance in that second 45. And then against Derby, just continued it really, really good in the in the press. Loved, loved seeing him go, and, uh, go after Tom Lawrence when they had a little, little fight there, little head foot almost. It was handbags, but I loved seeing it. Um, Tom Lawrence should be in jail, to be honest. So it was rather nice to see. Um, and he's just been fantastic. And there were a few threaded balls that he played in yesterday that were good. He could have scored. I'm telling you, a goal is coming. He had three block shots against QPR in the space of about three minutes. And one of them was a really sweetly struck volley that looked like it was going definitely on target but it got blocked so fair play to the QPR players but he has been he's just taking his performances up to a new level and he's adding consistency into his game and hopefully that means that Marcus Tavernier is no longer a divisive figure hopefully now that the critics of him are understanding his importance in this side mm, and just just with just with that I think his positioning under Wilder and how he simplified his game has really benefited Tav uh, to to some extent, mm. and I think we when we spoke about pos- positions and the best position for Tav maybe coming in on his left foot to to whip it in, or even just to play a bit more centrally, um, might which might benefit and go up and up and down the pitch. I think the position he's in now it influences the squad so much, it influences the the team and how we dictate the play. I think Isaiah Jones will get, and of course, will get all the plaudits. And I think rightly so. I think his performances this season have been spectacular and something that none of us probably anticipated that to be. But I think with with Tav, he's kind of the, the secret ingredient to how our team works. And he really dictates on how we play in terms of the tempo. Um, so if, I think if you are an opposition team, I think you probably are looking at Tav. But since his movement's been so good, um, it's very difficult to to really nail it down. Um, but I'll be very interested to see what we do if we do bring a left wing back in the summer or when Mark Baller does come back um, and how our team changes because we're going, if Mark, when Mark Baller does come back, he's more of an offensive <clears> fullback. <throat> and I think that might benefit the squad even more, which is which is crazy to think about that. But I think Neil Taylor's doing a fantastic job, but Tav is, is being spectacular. And I think my two picks probably for the praise and place this week and of course I think I have to pick Isaiah Jones I think he's been superb I would probably say 3-0 but um, Matt Crooks <laughs> as well uh, for continually finding himself in the right place at the right time in the box which is a very hard thing to do um, and especially for a midfielder and he's, he just seems to do it time and time again but then also I want to speak about Chris Wilder I think that 
well, and I know that he, since he got appointed in Middlesbrough, are top of the league or joint top for points gained uh, in the championship, which is an incredible statistic because sometimes managers can take a little bit of time, but he's just came in, hit the ground running. Our style of play is superb. You know, we, we play some really, really good football. The shape's fantastic. And I think him and Alan Nill, the coaching staff and the, the, the team and the board and the club are all saying from the same hymn sheet now. And it's kind of exactly what we wanted. It's exactly what we've been saying for the last couple of seasons. And we're finally seeing the, the fruits of what happens when you pick a, a manager based on the current crop of players and not the other way around. And it's just, it's nice to see us really start to, to keep things going. And we've got some big games going up, but with Wilder in charge, it's like, I'm not fearing any team that we play at the moment. And Alex, that expectation of wanting to win games and probably winning games is very much up there across the fans now, which is unheard of for Bora, especially in the championship. But a nice little start. I'm still waiting for us to do this, but Middlesbrough haven't scored more than five goals at home in the championship since 1998 when we beat Swindon 6-0. So that could be the one that we break um, this year. But who knows? But of course, we just got eight against Man City, but... I mean that was Premier League, not not Championship. But anyway, the we've got. Let's before we move into the questions this week, um, I'm going to just start off with one, then we'll move into the next few of them. But Michael says, um, how far can the club go with this coaching team, and can you see Wilder building a real legacy as one of our best ever managers? Uh, just both want to take this one because I feel like he deserves a bit of credit from the pair of you. Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it seems like a bit of an awkward run to answer with it being like really kind of so early in his tenure, but he's also shown us so much, you know, in, in terms of his managerial ability and, and the coaching staff in terms of their ability. Uh, in that short time, like what what they have managed to change the playing style to in such a short space of time is absolutely phenomenal. Like I have no idea how they've done that. Um, but I think it just shows that the uh, the players that we have always had the potential to play uh, in that way, like we were saying earlier in the season. Um, I think we've got all the building blocks in place, minus maybe like a head of recruitment, which I know we're looking for. But with Kieran Scott in there now, we've got you know got Wilder and his coaching staff in. We seem to be changing the uh, the attitude towards recruitment. I think we've got all the building blocks in place there to to get out of this division and, and you know even build back into the Premier League as well. I'm feeling really optimistic about it at the moment. Very very strange was I think it's the first time and well for a period of time for this podcast since we started um, like a couple of seasons ago that we've actually been very very overly positive for for, for many many weeks. But we but we, ha- we we could see this vision from coming off from a while uh, a while ago. But Dana. Let's have some praise for Chris Wilde. Do you think he can build a real legacy to be one of our best ever managers? I mean, he could. He absolutely could. I mean, I can't speak for managers in Borough's history. I mean, I only saw Gareth Southgate, Gordon Strachan, you know, from from there onwards. And for me, Karank is the best manager that I've seen. But I actually, and I know this is early days, but I'm actually preferring Chris Wilder to Isaac Karanka, which is, I never thought I'd say that. But I think he's just, I mean, the the fact that he's brought about these these player interviews are so good to give us an insight into these players. You know, we watch them every week, but we don't know them as people. So it's good to have that. I think when you see him in Yarm having a Peroni with the fans, that's just brilliant. He's just such a... He's such a down-to-earth, normal guy, but he manages a football club and his style of play. There's a lot of comparisons between 
Aitok Ranka style of play and Chris Wilder style of play. They're similar in terms of their possession base, but I, again, I'm, I think I'm preferring Chris Wilder style of play because it's just, there's a lot more, I guess, attacking vigour about it. And I think we definitely can, with probably a little bit of improvement on personnel, be a team that finally is a goal scoring team. And yeah, I know we haven't, come close to the clean sheet record as we did under Atakaranka, but that's not to say that this defence is leaky. I think we are striking a really good balance right now and and I kind of see similarities. I know there's a lot of sim- similarities between this season and the promotion season, obviously with mm. late winners, etc, etc, beating Man United on penalties. But the feeling that I have, I haven't had this feeling since the playoff season and that's, I always look back at that season, it's my favourite season, I know we got promoted the season after and that campaign ended in heartbreak, but the feelings that I'm feeling about Bora right now are not too dissimilar to 2014-15 and that, I, I honestly, I think that is a brilliant way of, of praising this because I love that season, so it just typifies how, the, just the good feelings I'm feeling about Bora right now because yeah, of Chris Wilder. <laughs> Yeah, it, no, I agree with you, Then I agree with you. And I think since he's came in as well, and if you look at Millsborough's defensive record, when when what when Warlock was still in charge, we had a very, very poor defence. But now we actually have the third best defence in the championship, which is pretty nuts, um, given that our current record's been absolutely superb. Um, but let's... Let's move on uh, to questions this week. And just be, just before we do that, I want to quick, quickly mention our charity for this season, which is the Motor Neuron Disease Association. We're nearly at our target of £2,000, um, but we wanted to give you a quick reminder as to why we're raising funds this season. We want to make a difference on the podcast this year. That's why we've teamed up with the Motor Neuron Disease Association, which is a charity incredibly close to myself and my family. In 2015, my mother was diagnosed with MND and I saw firsthand the deterioration of somebody that I loved. If you don't already know, MND is fatal and has no cure. It leaves people unable to talk, walk, swallow and eventually breathe. But thanks to the help of the Motor Neuron Disease Association, my mother was able to communicate with us when she could no longer speak. If you'd like to help the Motor Neuron Disease Association continue their fantastic support for those with motor neuron disease, please give what you can to www.justgiving.com forward slash the Borough Breakdown MND. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So thanks, thanks, Dana. I absolutely love that piece as well. So yeah, that's why we're we're raising money for the Morton Urine Disease Association. Like I mentioned, we're just nearly our target of two thousand pound, and anything that you can give will really help us raise the funds this season. Um, but let's move on to questions for this week. And as always, you can send us a question via our social media on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, via email at theboroughbreakdown at hotmail dot com, but also on Telegram. Uh, and we've actually. Just created a massive group chat um, with with the help of our friends from Leveller, um, and that has got over seventy eight Borough fans in there now, um, which has just been nonstop since we've created it. It's been a really really good atmosphere. And join it. You can find the the link in our social media. We'll also put in the link to this podcast as well to join. It's absolutely free to join, but you can give us a donation as well. And what we do with that, we'll donate to our charity. But then also, it helps us get fan uh, get future players on the podcast because some of them do require a fee funny enough but let's move on to the questions like i mentioned um and the first one it's from jack um and i'm going to come to you first tommy says can we realistically hold on to jones in this summer i think we can um i, I might be being optimistic there but no i, I think we can I, I don't think we need to sell him um he's only just signed a, a new contract not too long back hasn't he so um you know any fee that comes in, it, it's going to have to be high. And I, I think he's probably valued at more than we value Spence for, which seems to be about 15 mil if the the reports are correct. And, you know, I think Spence has probably added on to that uh, with some of his performances since then. So, you know, any any club that, want, that wants him is going to have to pay a very high amount for him. And are they going to be willing to do that after, you know, one season? Maybe not. I mean, the stats are there, but yeah, I think that they probably want a bit more than one season before forking out that kind of money. So I think we could realistically keep him next season. Yeah, well, Adama did it in a half a season, and so uh, we got for that. Uh, but Dan, just just quickly, I just want your answer on that. Do you think we we can uh, keep him keep him on hold for the until well after the summer? Yeah, I completely agree with what Tom's just said there about. <clears throat> one season I think teams will probably want to see if he could do it for another one because the good old second season syndrome it could well happen but as Tom said as well the stats are there the eye test is there you can see he's just such a quality player and I think we can keep him obviously we've time tied him down to a new contract but what we probably need to kind of shift into thinking of as fans is that we are building assets now we're not keeping players or buying players to keep for many many years I think we're buying players to build up their stock and then sell them sell them on for a profit because that's beneficial to the the financial side of the football club so yeah I think we could keep him but we're gonna have to fight off a lot of interest because he's been some player this season Mm, well I've never heard of this as I Jones before. I don't know what anyone's on about. I mean, Jed Spencer's good. Jed Spencer's good though. Um, I, I love I love Jed, and hopefully he comes back for a quick Manjaro's uh, as well. But um, next question is from Danny, and we'll come to you, Dana. And you've been seeing our podcast, but what do you enjoy the most about watching Borough at the moment? 
style of play, style of play, connecting yeah. to the club again, going to the Riverside. And, you know, I went to the game by myself yesterday and I don't usually like doing that because I'm so used to going with my dad. I absolutely love going with my dad, but he was at work, so I had to go by myself. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it at all because I know that I'm going to a football club and I'm going to a football stadium where I'm going to genuinely enjoy it. And I've, I've hung back a few times the last couple of games just to applaud the team right off and, and soak up the atmosphere because there is nothing better as a fan than being in a promotion race. And I've been thinking a lot about the Premier League recently and the Premier League isn't all that. I don't think it's the carrot, the golden carrot that's dangled in, in teams' faces. I just see it as a bit of a money bank, to be honest. It's it's a brand, not a league. It's a it's a bit of a hollow wallet, essentially. But the championship is is where it's at. And to be the top dogs or one of the top dogs in the championship is is a feeling that I don't think can be matched. So it, as I say to every Borough fan listening to this, just enjoy it because it's mm. some feeling. Absolutely, Dana. Um, but come on, come on to that because in terms of enjoyment as well, we've got a question from Jez and Will. Um, and I'm going to come to you both as well. You can do a quick answer if you want, or you can do a, a bit of a longer one. But is there a genuine chance of automatics this season? So is there a genuine chance? Dana, go on, do you want to go first for this one? Come back to you. Yeah, I'm going to get the championship table up. I mean, I'm not personally. I'm not thinking of the of the top two. It it, it could well happen. I mean, Bournemouth are on 58 points. We're on 49, but I mean, with Parker in charge, you, I think they're always about a game away from bottling it. To be honest, only they've got the quality now. They had that golden transfer deadline day, but they still have Scott Parker in charge. So whilst that's the case, any, any team has a chance. But yeah, I'm looking at Blackburn's runs are really tricky. QPR maybe faltering a little bit, certainly in terms of performances. I know they lost to Barnsley, which is a really bad result. Really good for Barnsley, by the way. Buzzing for the boys at, mm. at Red All Over. But yeah, Huddersfield. Huddersfield are a strange one because I was saying to Elliot yesterday that ever since we beat them, I beat them quite comprehensively in terms of performance at the John Smiths, they've been on a 14-game unbeaten run. And I remember after that match, I thought, Corbyn's gone here. There was a lot of negativity around the club, but they've just been flying. And with teams like that, I can't help but think, oh, they're going to fall off at some point. But to, to give them credit, they've stuck at it. Um, mm. I know this is a really long-winded answer. Um, my answer, my short answer is probably not. I would I would actually prefer a playoff playoff race. I want that uh, Wembley redemption. I think everyone wants that Wembley redemption. We've never won at Wembley, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. everyone wants that. Uh, yeah. But Tom, what do you think? Yes, no, maybe... I mean, I, I also want that Wembley redemption. I've never, I've never been to Wembley all gone you and watched the team I was there to support win. Uh, you know, went to the old one to see Darlow versus Peterborough in the Division Three playoffs, like back in like '99 or 2000, and they lost that. And then you know, I've been to see the the playoff final, we lost. So, absolutely want to see, uh, see a win there. I would say there's a small chance of of the automatics. I think, like like Dan has just pointed out about the the teams around us, that is a possibility. And strange things have happened in this league. But I think for me, uh, at the moment, the focus would be improving our position within the playoff places as much as possible. So it's you know we get the most beneficial uh, draw and and you know fixtures uh, come playoff time. Mm. I, I I'd agree with you both as well. I think. <clears throat> Although the automatic places are probably still up for grabs, uh, I mean, Bar Fulham, I think they're already up. But yeah, I think I think playoffs is definitely the the I think it's definitely the positions for them. Um, but <laughs> we'll 
Tom, I said at the start of the show, um, and, and this is also from another Tom, so Tom to Tom, um, is the criticism <laughs> of... Yes, but I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, is the criticism of Lumley over the top? Um, I mean, it, it depends when we're taking the criticism from it. If we're t- talking after the QPR game and, you know, I mean, I, there was some criticism after the Man United game for a couple of mistakes he made. I'd say that's probably deserved. Uh, you know, there were mistakes. I'm sure he'd probably admit that as well. If it was the criticism before those games where he was on, you know, he, he just got the the ten clean sheets in the league, and you know we, we were winning, I think that was over the top because I, I'm not having it that people were saying like, oh, you, he's only getting praised because he's not making a mistake and stuff. He was actually playing well. Um, it's just there's been times in the last couple of games where it, it has been a bit nervy, and I think that criticism was probably deserved. Um, but before then, I don't think it was. I don't agree okay. with people saying that he's he's worse than Bettinelli. Like, have we forgotten how bad Bettinelli was? He was <laughs> he literally he literally made me tweet or oh, piss off Bettinelli because he was annoying me so much. So it was bad. Yeah, I mean, we we've had some bad goalkeepers in our our time, and I wouldn't class Lumley as one of them. I'd probably say he's kind of in the middle. You know, he's not going to be on on Schwartz or Shea Gibbon level. Um, but, you know, arguably, is he around a similar level as Demi? Probably not in, in terms of, like, actually coming out and catching the ball, but in terms of shot stopping. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think people aren't... I think people forget, yeah, how bad Bettinelli was. So, I mean, just, you know, be, be happy that you've got Joel on the goal instead of, instead of Bettinelli. <laughs> um, but the last <clears throat> question of the day, I'm going to come to you as ball for it, and then I'll come to you first. It's... Uh, do you think Sparrow will be Wilder's top striking target come the summer, or will he look to bring in his own main man for next season? Of, of course, unless Sparrow scores fifteen goals and we do get promoted, which means we have the obligation to potentially buy him. Um, but do you think Sparrow will be Wilder's top striking target? I'm not so sure. You know, I have a feeling that Wilder will maybe be looking for somebody else that's on his own transfer target list rather than picking up somebody that is already internal and is already at the club from a previous management regime. But it is interesting with Spra because for 15 million, I mean, Sporting will have our pants down with that. He's he's not even worth half of that. He's not worth half of the half of that. I don't think. Yes, he's a good player. He's a good link-up striker. But for fifteen million, you're really banking on somebody to score a lot of goals and a lot of lot of goals. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. But for me, um, I, I feel like Chris Wilder will want his own striker. Okay. Oh, sorry, it was eight. It was eight million, eight, wasn't it? Eight million. Yeah, eight million. Yeah, he's yeah, not. He's not worth. He's probably worth about maybe four million. Yeah, fifteen goals, not fifteen million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, eight eight mil for Sparrow. I mean, still quite a lot of money, uh, especially mm. in the championship. But Tom, what do you think? Do you think that Millsborough will look to bring him in for next year? I think if we have the option not to, I don't think we will. Um, and I don't mean that to sound harsh on Sparrow because I think he's he's done well this season. Um, but I do think the the loan signings we've made up front and and the options that we're, we're going to have to be looking to ship out in the summer. Uh, I think you know we're focusing on that free agent window. Um, you know we've got an eye on that for either Premier League or, or Championship at the end of the season to to build a strike force from that. Um, you know I think most of the strikers we brought in this season 
the kind of short-term fixes with, with one eye on that at the end of the season. Okay then. Um, well, let's look ahead to Bristol City then, because Borough go to Nigel Pearson's uh, Bristol City at Ashton Gate next weekend, um, and just uh, we couldn't get a Bristol City uh, fan to come on this week, but we'll break them down ourselves. Um, guys, I'm going to pass you over the mic. What should we look for? How what form are they in, and how can we beat Bristol City next Saturday? I'll pass the mics over to you. Yeah, I've just looked into a few stats from from this season. They are, I would assume, judged on their uh, average possession this season, which is 45% that they're a counter-attacking side. They're fourth for big chances created, but sixth for big chances missed. They do have Andy Vyman, though, who has 14 goals this season, and Antoine Semenyo, who has five goals and five assists in his last 10 games. He is the Championship Player of the Month for January. Um, They've conceded the most penalties this season with seven, and they are averaging 1.8 goals conceded per match, which is only outdone by Reading and Peterborough, who are on two and 2.1 goals uh, goals conceded per match, respectively. So they've got an awful defence, three clean sheets this season, so there we go, Bristol City clean sheet against us. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, in, in terms of form, uh, they've won two of the last five, lost two and drawn one. But those two wins have both came at home. Uh, 3-2 win over Cardiff on the 22nd of January and a 2-1 win over Reading uh, uh, on Wednesday this week. Um, but the, the other games that came in that time, they lost 2-1 away at Luton. Uh, drew 2-2 with Preston away and lost 3-1 to Blackpool away. They're actually playing at the moment as well, but unfortunately there's nothing to report on there. Uh, still no no <laughs> at the moment. Um, but, you know, that's uh, they're away at Swansea today, so, you know, they're around the same same area of the table. That can be a, a close one to keep an eye on. So back to me in the studio. Um, just so we'll do breakdown and predictions um, because... How are you feeling for, for Borussia Dashing? I remember last season where it was a huge win uh, when we won 1 0. Um, but how are you feeling this time around? Tom, win, lose, draw, match abandoned, maybe? What are you think? I'm, I'm going to go 2 0 win. I don't know why, but it seems like over the last few seasons, we tend to have quite a bit of luck at Ashton Gate. Um, at, at least the, the games I can remember from the from, uh, last couple of seasons. So, yeah, I'm going to go 2 0. I, I like the way we're playing at the moment. If we're putting in similar performances yesterday and uh, QPR against Bristol, then I, I fancy us to, to roll them over. Okay, 2 0 from Tom. Dana, what are you going to go for? Unbeaten in three at Ashton Gate, I believe. But it's always one of those grounds or one of those teams that just they seem to be a thorn in our season. I remember under Karanka, we would play Bristol City and we could be on such a good run and we'd come up against them in that horrible but very nice at the same time purple and green kit and then they would beat us and then you sat there kind of cursing cursing old man yells at Bristol City kind of situation and um it I still don't even unbeaten in three actually get I still don't like that ground so I um, I'm gonna believe in Borough I'm actually gonna believe in Borough because you know we're full of belief for this club at the moment so I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with 2-0 as well 2-0 as well you know what let's go Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For hat trick of two nils, I think we're going to win two nil as well. Um, I think it'd be, it'd be a difficult, difficult game. Um, but I kind of think we, we can go there. And like I was saying, like at the start of the show, like I feel like we can go to any team at the minute and just and just beat them. And I think that's a, a nice confidence to have. Um, and especially that we've now won six uh, six nil at the Riverside. Build getting that building block, so when we do go away, we can kind of have that freedom to try and express ourselves because we know our home form is so good. But guys. That's it. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And thank you very much for the listener, for listening to us. And Bora Thump Derby to win six in a row at the Riverside. And with Valentine's Day just around the corner, I don't know if I'm dreaming. I don't know if I feel safe, but it's something that I must believe in. And it's there when you call it my name. Lovers in the air. This is the Bora Breakdown podcast. And that was our Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod.